Well, it is the beginning of hunting season. You, you know this, right? This is a big deal in my family. This is the beginning of a time of year when, when my dad goes to the hunting camp nearly every afternoon and, will ca- and occasionally spend a night or a weekend out there enjoying the great outdoors. How many of you this morning enjoy getting outdoors, being outside, just enjoy the outdoors? All right, we got a few hands. Okay, right, look at this. We're an outdoorsy church, friends. All right. Well, um, I love the outdoors. I I especially love uh, the opportunity to see new things and visit new places. Uh, But I have some friends who love to see the outdoors from behind the glass of their car window or from their hotel balcony as they overlook (laughs) the water, right? How about this? How many of you have ever been to a desert? How many of you have ever been to the desert or a desert? All right. Well, I've never been to a desert. I've never ventured out into a desert, but I had some friends a few years back who, who went to India. They were missionaries, and they had, they had come back from India, and, and we were uh, talking with them, and they were telling us how they were doing some missions work in, in India, and they were praying with people and, and meeting with the people that they were working with, and touring these different parts of India, and um, they wanted to tell us about the most impressive and exciting part of India that they saw. And I thought to myself, surely they're going to tell us about the Himalayas, right? Like the Himalayas, that has to be the part that's most impressive, or the Taj Mahal. Um, but they said, no, it's, it's neither one of those because we didn't actually go to those places. I said, all right. Where they took us was the desert. And these people that they were working with, they said, you're going to see this most beautiful place. You're going to love it. And so they tried to sort of muster up excitement for seeing a desert. Because they had in their mind what a desert surely looks like. It's, it's just going to be like a hot, sandy ocean. Well, they were wrong. It turns out the desert in this area where they were working, it was beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. There were, there were colors that would just blow your mind in this desert place. But no matter how beautiful a desert is, no matter how beautiful a desert may be, that's no place to live. Think about a desert. A desert is a barren place. A desert is a dry place. In a desert, there's almost no life, almost no animal life, almost no plant life. But it turns out deserts are a little bit like South Georgia. There's still mosquitoes. And it's hot, like 110 degrees a day hot. Places like the desert are a great place to visit if you have a guide that knows the area well. A four-wheel drive truck with plenty of gas and lots of water, but it's a terrible place to get lost. You get lost in the woods of South Georgia and you walk far enough, you'll come upon a road or a river and you'll pretty well be able to find your way out. You get lost in a desert, you're going to have a tough time just surviving in the environment. Because nothing there supports human flourishing. Nothing there supports human life. A desert is not a fruitful place. It's not a verdant place. It's not a beautiful, it may be a beautiful place, but it's not an abundant place. It's not a place where humans can thrive. It, in fact, is not a place where much of anything can thrive. 
This sermon series, Becoming Faithful, is about not just getting through life, but about living in God's abundance and living in God's life. Because God's intention for us is not for us to be a beautiful, barren place. God's intention for us is that we would be people who live in abundance, people who live life that truly is life, that our lives would be beautiful, yes, but they would be full as well, not just empty in dry places. God's intention for you and God's intention for me and God's intention for us as a church and us as human beings is that we would thrive. This is why God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have life that truly is life. But if we're honest with ourselves, we can all admit that there have been moments in our lives where we have been beautiful but barren. There have been moments in our lives where we look like we had it all together on the outside, but on the inside, we were empty. Moments in our lives where people would look at us and say, that's incredible, they are incredible, look at what's going on with that guy, with that girl, with that family. But on the inside, we have been dry wastelands. For some of you, that might be right now. For some of you, you may have been wandering through a dry and barren place for days or weeks or months or perhaps even years. For some of you, it's been a long time since you felt like you were living in God's abundance, in God's presence. You understand what David means when he says, return me to the joy of my salvation. But it's been so long that you stopped praying that a while ago, a while ago. Because what's the use of saying something over and over and over again and bearing your heart out only to see nothing change? And so the question is, what's the difference between a barren and beautiful place, a, bar a barren but beautiful life, or a life that's full of life at its most basic level. It has to do with location. What's the difference between someone's life that is barren and someone's life that is abundant? The answer, according to Jeremiah, is location. It's location. And so if you look at the text that was read this morning from Jeremiah chapter 17, I want to tell you a little bit about the prophet Jeremiah and the words that he's speaking. We know that Jeremiah was either born or began his ministry around 627 B.C. And during his life, the Babylonian Empire succeeded the Assyrian Empire as the dominant power in the Middle East. During Jeremiah's life, he was a witness to the return of worship, to the worship of God by God's people, instituted by King Josiah. And then after Josiah's death in battle in 609, the return of lots of people back to paganism, falling away from God and into the worship of idols and of the gods of the people that surrounded them. 
And then when Babylon captured Jerusalem in 587, Jeremiah moved to Egypt and God called him to be a prophet to Judah and the surrounding nations in the midst of all of this political and religious turmoil. So Jeremiah has seen what it takes to be fruitful and faithful to God. And he's seen what it is to live in a dry and barren place. And so God gives him this word in Jeremiah 17. He says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in one, self, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands, like a shrub, other translations say. They will not see the prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Now, I don't know about you, but that sort of an existence doesn't sound good to me. Trusting in our own flesh, in our own power, in our own strength, in our own ability, Jeremiah says, only leads us into places of dryness and desolation. That if we trust only in our own power, only in our own ability, that what we will find is that we might be beautiful, but we may still be barren. But then Jeremiah goes on, and he says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Let's be honest this morning. No one wants to be in the desert. We all want to be those who are planted by streams of water. We want a life that is blessed and abundant. We want a life that is characterized by peace and by prosperity. We want a life that is meaningful and makes a difference in the world. We all want security. We all want provision in our life. We all want to live in places where we can thrive. So what's the point? Don't be a shrub. (laughs) Thank you for that. We got a laugh out of that. Don't be a shrub. Don't be a bush. Pay attention to where you are putting down roots. There's a difference between a shrub and a tree, isn't there? I mean, think about your front yard. You may have trees in your front yard. Maybe a pine tree. Maybe an oak tree. Very different than a shrub. Shrubs only grow so tall. And in in a desert, shrubs are scraggly. They don't have very many leaves. They get by by the bare minimum amount of water. Shrubs aren't abundant. They don't produce fruit. Trees, on the other hand, trees grow and mature and produce fruit and shade, become dwelling places for animals. They, they, They grow up other little trees around them. Jeremiah is very particular in his image here. He wants us to understand that Jesus, that God, excuse me, wants us to have lives that resemble that of great trees, not scraggly shrubs. 
Because the problem with being a shrub is, is not just that you won't see prosperity, but that when prosperity comes to your life, when abundance comes to your life, when blessing comes to your life, you won't be able to see it. If you're a shrub in a dry and barren place, you can't recognize when God is providing. God could be pouring out blessing after blessing, but you might remain unaware of it. The shrub, because it's so focused on just surviving in those dry and barren places, misses out on the opportunity to thrive. It's a stark contrast with the tree that doesn't fear when heat comes. It doesn't fear when bad things happen or when life is disappointing, when there's setbacks or when there's major disappointments. Because that person who's a tree planted by the river, their hope is in the Lord and they aren't afraid. Great trees aren't anxious in years of drought, not just heat, not just summer, but in years of drought. Trees planted by the water aren't worried because they're not fed by rain which comes and goes, but instead by the water that's beneath them. The tree planted by the water thrives because its source is trustworthy and true. Its nourishment is trustworthy and true. The water that it's planted by is a place of thriving even when there's less than average rainfall. So the difference between a shrub and a great tree in this story, in this metaphor, has everything to do with location. The location of your trust is the difference between your surviving and your thriving. The location of your trust is the difference between surviving and thriving. Where your trust is rooted determines whether or not you're just getting by or whether in this life you're going to experience abundance. The location of your trust determines your faithfulness and it determines your fruitfulness. So how do you put down roots in the right place? Because none of us want to be shrubs in the desert. We want to be trees planted by the waters. How do we get ourselves to those places? If you follow along just one verse further in Jeremiah, Jeremiah says this, that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah is saying that our tendency will always be to trust our own skills and our own ability, to trust our own power even though we need help. And to be completely honest with you, you and I, we have an amazing capacity for self-deception and for self-justification. And left on our own, we will plant our roots wherever it feels good or looks good or sounds good. But we'll probably be a long way from the water that will sustain us when the droughts of life hit. God says to us, I search the heart and I examine the mind in verse 10. 
to reward each person a, a person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. God says that he searches the heart, that he examines our mind, that he watches our conduct. So if we want to set our roots down in places where we can thrive, we've got to address those parts of our life. We've got to address our heart. We've got to address our mind. We've got to address our conduct. And I think Jeremiah is right that the first place that we should look if we want to put down good roots is our heart. How are we relating to Jesus? How are we relating to Almighty God? Have we surrendered ourselves to God's will and to God's purpose for our life? Are we engaging in prayer that allows us to communicate with God, to mature us in our faith? Are we gathering together with other Christians in worship so that our hearts can be transformed as we create space and time for God to meet us? How is it with your heart? Are you allowing God to speak into the very core of who you are? Are you creating space in your life day after day to allow God to prune, to allow God to till and tend the soil of your heart? Or are you so busy trying to survive that there's no room for anything other than just getting by? How is it with your mind? We all struggle with battles in our mind. For some of us, the the battle is temptation. For others of us, it's anxiety. For others of us, it's depression. For others of us, it's self-doubt. There's a battle going on inside of our minds And so we have to spend time studying God's word and gathering together and study with other Christians so that we can believe the truth of God's word for ourselves, so that that which we know can help impact the core of who we are. We've got to open God's word and study, grow in Christian knowledge, not so that we can know more about God, but so that we can know God. I know lots of people who are just surviving when it comes to their faith who know lots and lots about God. But God doesn't just want you to know about Him. God wants you to know Him and to experience the abundant life that He has for each of us. And then God is also concerned with our conduct, how we live our lives. Earlier this morning in our, our, um, our uh, young adult, which means if, if you're under the age of 70 or 80, you can join. In our young adult Bible study this morning, we were talking about God's will for the church, that we're supposed to be in, for, and to the world. The only way that we can be in, for, and to the world is by carrying ourselves a certain way by being exemplary in our conduct, by going above and beyond to be kind, to go above and beyond in in issuing concern, not only for ourselves and our families, but for our neighbors, for our community, for our university, for our state. We have to show concern for the world around us if the world is to hear 
the gospel of Jesus. Because God is watching the way that we live our lives, the way that we carry ourselves, the concern that we show for the poor, the needy, and the broken. Friends, I want my life to be like that of a tree planted by the waters that bears fruit in every season. I hope you want your life to be the same. You don't have to settle for being beautiful but barren. You can take hold of abundant life, life that truly is life in God through Jesus Christ. You don't have to settle for less. It's freely available to you even now. And once you say yes to that offering of grace and salvation that God gives us, you have to be mindful of where you're going to put down roots so that you can grow and become the person that God created you to be. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty God, we have settled all too often for being beautiful but barren. For having everything together on the outside but being empty on the inside. And we know, God, that you've called us to be so much more. To live lives of meaning and significance. To bring transformation to the, the little places that we go, the small places that we venture off to day after day. You call us, God, to bear your light and your gospel out into the world. And so we pray, God, that you would help us to live abundant lives that make all of those things possible. Don't let us settle, God, for simply being scrubby, scraggly little bushes. Instead, God, grow us up into maturity that we might bear fruit for you, for your kingdom, for your name and renown for all eternity. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.